Hello, my name is Rick Tenenbaum, and I will be having a conversation with Evan S. for the New York City Transoral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans-identifying people. It is July 29th, 2017, and this is being recorded in Evan's apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Evan. Hello. Could you please introduce yourself and then also talk to me about where you were born and then where you grew up and what that was like? Okay. Um, well, I'm Evan. Um, and I identify as trans, identify as male, um, TBD on those words just because, you know, these things waver every now and then, um, as far as how I, like, relate to the world around me, um, but more on that later, um, and what was the other question, childhood? Yeah, uh, where you were born where and was born, where you grew sure. up. Yeah. Well, I was born in Chicago, um, but, um, grew up primarily in Lake Forest, Illinois, which is a suburb about 30 to 40 minutes north of Chicago. Uh, the town is practically a snow globe. Um, it was like Main Street, USA. Uh, we were the Jews. And um, so, I mean, it was a really nice childhood. It was really like, it was safe. It was, you know, you could run across the street, do whatever you wanted to do, and then come back for dinner kind of thing. And the suburbs in the 80s, you know, kind of in the Midwest. Um, but it was also really challenging because, well, I actually didn't like it very much um, for a lot of the time, um, just because I didn't really fit in very well. Um, and I didn't really... Like, I had friends that were boys and friends that were girls, and I was basically fine until, like, we got to the age where the boys didn't want to play with the girls anymore, you know, and um, so, you know, I had some, some friends in the neighborhood um, who were girls, and I, I would hang out with them, but it was kind of like a third-wheel situation a lot of the time, um, or at least it felt that way, and I just didn't really want to... I was better one-on-one -on -one with people, um, so I really enjoyed like playing by myself also, um, and um, um, <laughs> for those of you listening, there is a cat approaching Rick, um, so, uh, but you know, I like, I, I like to like delve into like my own little fantasy world. And, you know, do that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, my parents got divorced when I was 10, which was great because that needed to end. And um, so there was some there was definitely some turmoil, some trauma. And, you know, I have some other things going on. So um, we ended up like it just ended up being like just dramatic. You know, I was very angry. I was very afraid. I was just had a lot of feelings, and my sister is, we're very, like, we're, we're I wouldn't say we were op opposites, but 
we led very different lives. Um, so, you know, it was, you know, and I got into drugs and drinking and, um, you know, super drama. So, um, it was just, it was tumultuous for sure. Um, but like in the, uh, in terms of like identity and like trying to like figure that stuff out, like it never, nothing ever really like occurred to me at any point. Like I just felt what I felt and like, I didn't understand why, but it wasn't, it didn't feel like it just, I don't, I don't really remember like, I remember like wanting to be a boy and apparently I told my mom to call me Ryan for like a week because I had a friend named Ryan um, and I was like I was pretty little um, but like I mean whatever like I played sports I played like everything basically I played like I just was a kid like I wasn't you know but I was definitely like a tomboy and um, yada, yada, yada. Like, it's just, it's very, like, it's very generic, um, that part of that story. Um, but <clears throat> the most, the, the thing that, like, you know, people always were like, oh, you know, when did you realize or when did you, like, like, I can't really, I mean, I can pinpoint, but I can't really pinpoint, like, Um, we didn't have like labels or terms or anything then or you know like and it wasn't like I didn't make any conscious decisions on like growing up about anything you know, like saying like this is you know like I just I imagined my adulthood and uh, my future as I wanted it to be and I imagined it as I knew it would be which was as a woman um and those things were, um, there was a, a, I guess there was a bit of a blurred line in that. So I spent a lot of time in my head, um, still do. Um, but, but yeah, all I knew is that I didn't fit in so much and I wasn't really talkative with my peers as much as I was with adults. Um, now I, in a chatterbox but like growing up I was just very like I just didn't know how to relate and then did you how long in Chicago did you stay for um well I moved here for college so well I moved I went I did my first semester so I, I left um, the Midwest in 2000, and, um, <clears throat> did, um, my first semester in college in Israel, and then I came to New York, um, to Pratt, and then I've been here ever since, so that was 2001, January 2001. Mm -hmm. What, um... Why did you decide to come to New York and go to Pratt? Um, like, uh, were you engaged in arts like throughout high school? Or? 
Oh yeah, no, I loved, I've always loved art. I've always loved creating stuff. I did a lot of writing when I was little and I loved, um, like, I think like that was like, I did a lot of writing. I played music. Um, and then I, you know, I would draw, but that didn't really stick with me. But like, and I was brought up, like my parents did a really good job of like surrounding us with culture and, um, theater and dance and, um, the arts and everything like that. Like my mom's an artist as well, and you know she comes from an art background and and journalism and stuff like that. So like I've definitely been like raised in like a creative environment, um, but like when I found the camera, I was hooked, and that was in high school. Or I was like eighth grade or freshman year of high school. I took a photo class, um, like outside of school, and I just fell in love with it. Um, and like I knew that. See, that's the thing. It's like, I don't remember knowing what I want. Like, I, I, I wanted to be a psychologist. I also wanted to be, like, an anthrop or archaeologist and, like, a baseball player and, like, all these things. Like, I have a lot of interests. Um, but <clears throat> something about photography um, really stuck with me. And it was just, I think a lot of it has to come, has to do with... Um, not being forgotten, um, like being able to like have control over this moment in time and like not allowing it to go away completely. And um, also like there was this moment when my mom and I were driving uh, on the highway and there was a woman in the car next to us and like she just had a, her facial expression was just, I mean, I see it every day. Like it was just like, she just looked like she was having a miserable day. And I just, I just remember looking over and I was pretty young and I looked over and like really just was just for some reason just very interested in like what was going on in her head. And um, it wasn't like an abnormal facial expression whatsoever. Like it's just, was a, it's an expression that we, on, in our day to day, like now, like we, you wouldn't even notice it kind of thing. But for some reason, like in that moment, um, I like was <clears throat> struck with this like incredible sense of empathy for her and just wanted to know more. And that's, and I related that to, I was taking pictures at the time. So I was like, um, I related those two things together and knew that like, I really wanted to explore people through art, um, and sort of dive into that. Cause I've always been very interested in how people, like why people do what they do and how their brains function and, you know, what's going on behind it because I never related to the outside as much. Um, and so um, I was not a good student. Um, I, wa I mean, I'm, I, like, I'm smart and like I can do it, but I had like no motivation. And so, um, and I'm like an epic procrastinator. So um I wasn't, my grades weren't that great in high school and um, like my options were, were pretty slim I was finding and I, I like fell in love with Sarah Lawrence and I wanted to go there so bad and like, like a moron, like I applied early and like, I didn't, of course I didn't get in because, you know, and I, I applied to be a psych major um, and I was like devastated and I don't know why I thought, I thought, I don't know why I thought I would be able to go to like real school, you know, but like, just cause my grades were poo, you know? And so, <clears throat> uh, 
Um, and so I kind of like pooped out. I knew I was going to go to college, but like I just didn't really know where. And there was like a brochure. I remember like in my room, I remember seeing for like uh, Ben Gurion University in Beersheba, Israel. And I was in such a state of like, can I curse? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was in such, I have a potty mouth. I can't believe I haven't done that already. Um, I was in such a state of like the fuckets that I was like, whatever, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go to Israel. Like it just felt destructive to me. Um, and, uh, for s- somehow my mother was like, okay. Um, you I know, mean, I think she just wanted me to be okay. And like, just know that like I was doing something like, you know, and, um, so, uh, so I applied and I got in to that. It was a year program, but we came back after a semester because things were getting crazy there and people were going home and like I missed my girlfriend and I was just like screw it so I had applied there and but I'd also applied to Pratt and um I got into both and which was like really exciting and but for some reason I Pratt doesn't do like deferred exception except uh acceptances whatever and so um for some reason, I was just, I was, like, going to do the Israel thing, and they were, like, okay, like, you can come, but, like, you need to have better grades, kind of thing, and I was, like, okay. Um, so, I did that, and I tried to defer my acceptance to Pratt, but they weren't having it, um, so I don't remember having a plan after this, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know, um, but because I came, I was coming home early, I emailed, I, I reached out to Pratt, and I asked them, I'm like, look, I got into your photo program. This thing is ending early. Um, can I just come in January? And they said, okay. So I came back and I went to Pratt. Um, and it was incredible. Yeah, I fell in love. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, and it was New York. Like, I knew that, like, I have roots in New York. My mom grew up in the area and my grandparents are here and I have cousins here and so I've been coming here my whole life and I don't know if I would I don't ever remember like sitting in my room like dreaming of living in New York but I just knew like I just I don't have recollections of like having conscious like being pulled in certain directions like having this thought like this is what I'm gonna do and then do it like it just sort of like I mean I have I do have that. I'm not just, like, floating around, you know, in the universe right now. But, like, as far as, like, how I got here, like, I don't remember. Cause I know, just because people are like, oh, I've always wanted to live in New York, you know, and I just, I probably had that thought. I don't remember it. Um, but I knew that this is where I needed to come to not be where I was and to do what I needed to do because New York is... I grew up knowing that New York is the place you go when you're an artist. And so that was the plan. Seems like it's stuck. Yeah, um, yeah. I keep trying to leave like every year, but they just keep pulling me back in. Do you know, are, are there any particular parts of New York, specifically in the art scene, um, that you really gravitate to? Nope. Um, 
how I'm not really in the art uh, what do you mean by art scene um you're just saying that like New York seemed to be a place to be an artist okay um, so there's well I mean <clears throat> it's definitely changed over time the longer I live here also New York is very different than what it was when I got here you know like I used to love like when you're in college well at least for my friends and I, like, we're here, you get to New York, it's new, you're a teenager, it's like, you're no parents, you know, like, if you're coming from a small suburb of Illinois, like, the freaking world is your oyster, and like, everything is exciting and new, and like, it being disgusting is okay, you know, and like, you don't have to worry about anything, and it's just like, that was my experience, and so, I mean, we used to go to places, we used to go to the East Village a lot, we used to go to the West Village a lot, um, like, just, I used to hang out in these village a lot, actually, um, because it was grungy and, like, punk rock and, and weird, and now it's very paved, so it's just very different. Um, I, the West Village is still my favorite neighborhood in the whole city. Um, I just find it just so beautiful and charming, and, I mean, it's also different, you know, it's very shishi, but, like, which I'm okay with. Like, I like that also. Um, I can be a bit of a fancy pants, but um, but just, like, the layout and the structure of it and the way, like, the, the cobblestone streets and the old houses and anywhere that... Anywhere I can go where I can really feel, like, the history of the city is, like, my number... Like, that's what fuels me. Um, you know, and, like, we're... You know, but, I mean, now I have to be in, like, a special place to, like, appreciate the crazy, you know. Like, on a day-to-day basis, I'm like, get the fuck out of my way, you know. Um, I hate you all. But sometimes I'm just like, this is really amazing. Like, look at this energy, you know. So anywhere I could go at the time, particularly, where I could feel that energy, um, you know, like, just, and, like, the novelty of, like, going to a coffee shop and you could smoke at the time and anywhere. So, like, just sitting there for hours and just like people watching and drinking coffee and smoking and like just it was just freedom like it's so basic but it was just freedom and so like that's the the thing that fueled me the most was having a community um of peers now and um like like like-minded people and that like were also excited to be here you know and um, being part of a group and like socializing and staying out late and like just being your own person like it was just, and finding out who that was and like but you're not doing that alone like it was really just it was just total freedom um, and then that coupled with the teenage feeling of invincibility like I've always been a very scared person you know um, but like there was definitely like I you can't fight um brain development, you know, like teenagers are crazy and they're total morons and you know, I was just to- I was in that group, you know. Um but I was also sober, so I was not like taking the kinds of risks that I would have taken if I wasn't sober or that I would have taken if I wasn't sober, but um, but the feeling of like just it was of just everything being new and and New Yorkish and exciting was you know and that's that's the kind of thing like I I love museums I love galleries but I also don't because 
it's just there's so much out there that never gets seen and those things are dictated by a, like a market that isn't even real you know so it's just like ugh. but but being exposed to these things like everywhere you go like seeing like world-renowned architecture and seeing world-renowned artists show their work at the show like the things that you would read about if you lived anywhere else but you could go witness that you know and seeing and things that you hear and things that you smell and taste like every, like it just like you know, it was like really a feast for the senses and it was very inspiring. So that's what, you know, and it, it, it helped me develop because of all of that, like everything was exciting, you know, and like that's what fueled it. And like now I have to like work at that. <laughs> I have to like, I had to like consciously make an effort for things to, to you know, but it's just different because I've lived here for so long now. That's just, and I'm older, so. Um, but, you know, I would go to, <clears throat> did a lot of galleries we you know I didn't go to a ton of like shows or any like uh, like music shows I don't think here I did that more at home um, uh, but I don't know just going to galleries and just like sitting in restaurants and cafes and walking around the neighborhoods that's pretty much you know and then like hanging out on campus when you first moved here in the early 2000s were there any specific places or things you saw that really helped you feel like you were coming into a sense of identity? Um, well, I had a girlfriend and was already coming into like that identity of being gay, but I didn't understand it. It wasn't a conscious thing for me. Um, when I got to Pratt, um, like I'm in recovery, and and so I was at a meeting, and I'm I substance use. Yeah, and so um, like real young. Um, and I was at a meeting and I was talking to someone, I just moved here and I told them that I went to Pratt and if they knew any young people that were sober or anyone, you know, whatever. And this person pointed me towards someone that went to my school who is still a dear friend of mine and they're like, go find this person. And I was looking for her and looking for her and it turns out she lived in my building, like on the first floor, so I left her a note and uh, at the time she was queer and she came to my room and brought a trans guy who was also sober. I didn't know anything about anything. I didn't even know about myself. Like I, I didn't, I just like, and this is like one of those moments, like an, an example of like, like defining moments that like are not defined at all because I have like I was not a labeled person because I didn't get it and I was terrified um and it didn't feel that way either like he asked me if I was trans and I was like barely out as gay to myself like out as a lesbian to myself and I said what no like 
I guess knowing enough to say no, I don't remember this at all, but like this is what I was told. And I mean, I remember a little bit, but I don't remember knowing what that was. And um, I was like, I don't do labels. You know, I was like, this was like maybe a year or two after telling my mother that I was bi because I was too scared to like go the distance, if you will. Um, and it was like, yeah, big surprise. Um, so uh, there's that. So we hung out uh, a bunch. And so I started like, and like it's art school. So like everyone's gay and, um, or like is for the moment. Um, we're just like a little kooky, you know? And so we just, uh, I don't know. I just, I met people like in recovery here, like young people, you know, and like started um, like everything shapes my identity, you know, it's not so much like, it wasn't as a gender thing for me as much as it was like a, a human thing. Um, just becoming like, just getting to know who I was and get, or being able to be who I was and that being okay. Um, because the gender thing and the sexuality thing didn't come into play until a little later because I just didn't understand. I just was not conscious of it. And I, it didn't feel like it was anything that needed to be addressed yet, I guess. Um, because I was like, oh, I guess I'm just gay. But, um, and the thing is, is that like, I mean, and then of course, like pride was just like awesome, you know, I was like, oh my God, you know, and like, just like meeting people that, uh, I don't remember, where the fuck did you even go? I don't even know. Like, like I didn't go to Meow Mix until way later and then that closed. Um, I went to Henrietta Hudson's a couple times. It wasn't really my thing. Oh my God. Yes. I remember. Okay. So I was in Brooklyn. So I went to Ginger's. I don't drink, but I went to Ginger's because you just go where the people are. And then a lot. And then, but there was this one bar on the corner of Fifth Avenue and I think it was Sackett. And I can never remember the name of it, which is so sad because it really, that really shaped things. I would sit there and drink tea like a jackass. And, but it was like super cozy and they had open mics. And there was a bartender named Sheila who is probably in her 40s at the time, or like late 30s, and I hope she never hears this because she'd probably be appalled that I think that she's much older than she probably was. But like, I had the biggest crush on Sheila. And it, she knew it, you know, but like, it was more of like a, they're there, it's, you know. <laughs> okay, step away. Um, but she played music and I played music, so we played together, and we played together with her friend Anna who played the cello, because they played together, and... I didn't bring anyone there with me. I would just go and like, it wasn't a very hopping place. So I would do their open mics a lot and I would just sort of sit there and like be around Sheila and like be like in a place where like that's okay. And I, it was so much fun. I mean, I was just, I, cause it was just, there was nothing happening, but like there was so much happening. You know, it was like this like, it was part of, just understanding like what was happening around me and with me and um 
you know, I was like butch and she was butch and like it was just like one of these like things but I didn't understand that either I didn't know that about myself I knew it because that's what people told me and that's what it felt like and like I did take pride in that like for there was a there was a definitely a period of time where I was very proud to be a woman um not just because I hated men at the time because I was envious and you know um but because I did hate men it's also like a, a father thing you know yada yada but like um, yeah, I had a lot of pride in it and, um, it felt empowering. It felt strong. I felt like, like that's why I was strong, you know? And, um, like my mom and I are really close and like my sister and my mom and I, like after I got sober, like we, like, I like thought of us as this like trifecta, you know? And, um, that fueled a lot. And so, um, I went with that and there was a time I used to go to this cafe called, um, Cafe Esperanto, which was on McDougal in a village. I don't know when it went away, but it was owned by Israelis and it was a great people watching place. You could smoke in there and there was like those nasty, comfy, like vintage chairs that like now as an adult, I'm like, I would never sit on one of those things anywhere because I'm like, what has happened on this upholstery? Um, but you could just sit there and I would write, like, I like to write poems because I need to be as embarrassing as possible. And um, I would just sit there and write and just observe and um, just be like my own little beatnik New York world person. And... Um, there was this, there was this woman that worked there who was gay and she sat down at the table with me one day cause I was in there like all the time. I don't remember her name. It might've been Michal. I am not entirely sure, but I was wearing this, <laughs> I was wearing this brown sweater vest with like a lime green collared shirt underneath because you know that's awesome and um because it was stereotypically masculine to have that like the weight of the sweater vest on my chest under a collared shirt that's what i pay attention to in like i like i love like period pieces i love like like the 50s and the 60s and the 40s and the 30s and all that shit, you know, like the romanticized, you know, the nostalgia for a time I never existed in and God knows what I would, how I would exist in that time actually, but I probably wouldn't. But, um, so like that's, you know, that stuff dictated, you know, what I wore. And so she sat down at the table with me and she, like called me out as gay I don't remember how she did it it wasn't accusatory at all um but it was just like I remember her mentioning something about me being gay and butch and we were like you know butches like us or dykes like us, whatever it was and I was just like what like how does she know and I asked her I'm like how do you know that I'm butch like why do you think I'm butch and she was like are you kidding me? Like, have you seen yourself? And I was just like completely perplexed. 
Like I, and that's it's a very clear moment for me because it was such a disconnect from how I thought of myself, truly thought of myself, because I didn't really, I don't really think I thought of myself as anything, and so some time later, like it finally occurred to me, I'm like I didn't identify as a freaking lesbian, like I was a man, so like that's why that never clicked for me. Like I it was just like oh I guess this is what I am. Um, even though I had like pride in being a woman, some of that pride was just fear, you know, like not to say there's anything, you know, obviously like, but for my story as someone who doesn't identify as a woman, like that was part of that was, there was fear wrapped up in that. Um, so, um, that was kind of a turning point for me that stuck out just because, like, I just, that was the first time I figured out or found out that a stranger, someone that I never, like, that I didn't have a relationship with in my daily life, like, could, like, clock me. Um, so that was weird. Um, but, yeah, I mostly... What was the question? <laughs> Who cares? Um, so... <clears throat> so places like that were freeing for me and it wasn't just because of like I, I didn't go I didn't go places all the time because it was queer I went because it was young and fun and like dirty um, at that time like, as I came into my own, I started going to places that were queer. And, you know, and, um, or like just hanging out with the gays. So, um, but yeah, I mean, as someone who doesn't drink, I did not, like, a lot of this stuff takes place in bars, um, which is fine, obviously. Um, but I don't remember, like, at that time, I don't remember, like, really taking part in that so much. I was more of a coffee shop person. Just so I wouldn't have to, like, do nothing, you know. So I didn't really want to hang out in bars. Unless we were, like, going dancing or something, or that's where it just it happens. But, um, yeah, when I wanted to, like, be, I like to explore alone also. So when I wanted to, like, ruminate on things, like, I would be in a coffee shop. And most likely Esperanto's. Was Esperanto like a queer coffee shop or just kind no, of No, just just village. Place? Yeah. There's a mix for sure. Just cozy. And you could smoke. Yeah. You mentioned that Pride was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a specific Pride you remember? anything that made it special? I remember a dyke march where I took my shirt off and was walking around with my shirt off. Um, and I didn't want... I was conscious of the fact that I didn't want to show my breasts, but I also was conscious of the fact more so it was more important to me to be walking around without a shirt on in public. It was like super freeing. I mean, and also everyone around me was doing it, so, like, I wasn't, like, drawing attention to myself so much. And, of course, I ran into someone I knew that, like, 
This was actually... This might have been when I came out as trans, like after I came out as trans. Um, what year was this? Yes, it was. Um, I think it was... It was 2003. Um, it was because I ran into someone I knew from before and I wasn't transitioned or anything but I had a, I, I had a new name and I told her what it was and she was like Heather? Heaven? I was like no because it's loud and everyone that's, that's happened before but like um, but that was memorable um, I remember I mean I just remember like the hubbub I remember like just I don't remember which pride it was kind of thing like I remember moments like funny moments or like pictures I've taken, you know. Um, I also remember it being way too crowded and hot, so I don't go anymore. Um, I just can't. I just can't deal um, with New York parades in the summer um, or New York parades in general. But unfortunately, I'm so sorry. Um, but um, yeah, that was that was a moment. I also remember a moment when I was walking with some friends and I turn around and all of a sudden one of my friends is missing and she's on the ground because she stepped in a pothole. So, like, moments like that, you know. Like, it was just, like, I remember, like, laughing hysterically. Um, and... <laughs> moron. Actually, this is the friend that from Pratt who came and found me. Um, <laughs> it's classic. Oh, dumb dumb. So... I mean, I just remember it being freeing. I remember looking around and just, like, seeing all these gorgeous people and feeling like I was single. So, like, feeling like like all the opportunity was there kind of thing. I remember being somewhere near the pier dance at some point and realizing that this is not my scene. Um, I remember taking this freaking awesome picture of this drag queen fanning herself on a curb um it was a polaroid and it's one of my favorite pictures today this was like probably like 15 years ago um i don't know i just remember just being exciting everything was exciting were there any like specific parts of queer culture that you would observe and be especially fascinated about or want to know like what the underworkings were? Hmm. I don't remember. I think everything sort of was, it was, there was, I don't think anything stood out. Well, yes. The for me, because of who I am, the masculinity of being in a lesbian bar and it being a 
like even though it's a lesbian bar, like having the gender roles be more clear. Not gender roles, but I like like butch and femme. Like the butch and femme culture was something I could really get behind because it allowed me to be as masculine as I wanted. Yeah. Um, and it also played into this like fantasy of for me like being a man but also like the bar culture because I don't drink and it was like it looked like that was that was actually a big problem for me when I transitioned because I um, so much of this culture and also like so much of like stereotypical like manhood like you know is like having a beer at the bar kind of thing and like that was very challenging um, I felt like I couldn't be a full man without doing that I didn't do it but it was a struggle for a while um, but just the ability to be as masculine, like, to present as masculine as I wanted, had that be attractive to somebody was a first. Because, of course, like, growing up, like, none of the boys wanted to date me. And I liked boys at the time, you know. I liked girls, too. Um, but that was, like, sort of faux pas. So um, being able to be attractive to people was a new... A new joy. Um, so that gave me a kind of confidence that I hadn't experienced ever. Um, uh, well, the later years of my high school, I experienced that kind of confidence as well because I started dating a girl and I started, like, I had gotten sober and I was happy and caring way less about what people thought of me and um, that was freedom also. But... It was still in my town. It was still new to me and scary and undefined and just felt right, but I didn't know what that was. Um, so, but yeah, I would say like the butch femme thing that I could get behind. Could they just also like, um, what's the word? Well, it felt like uh, like role play in real life, and um, in a way that like doesn't go away, like this is like a thing, um, and so it also like um, I can't think of the word, but. Uh, no, yes, it validated uh, my masculinity, for sure. And, like, the femme, like, the relationship with the femme validated my masculinity and, like, their identity, like, we, like, played into that with each other kind of thing. So, it's what I always wanted.
you want to talk at all about um, when you started identifying with trans, if you did at the time? Um, you said it was after you came out as trans in 2003. Mm -hmm. Or we can just move on to talk about your art at Pratt. Well, I mean... They kind of go, like, or, well, I mean, I can talk about the trans thing, because they kind of go hand in hand. So, like, basically, like, the bar I was just thinking of, I think it was called Sisters. It was in Portland, Maine. I had friends in Maine, so we would go there um, and hang out. And I... <clears throat> All right, so... I always think this is so stupid. It just sounds so, like like, so trite, but, like... We were there for New Year's, me and my friend from college. We were there for New Year's. And, um, you know, with some lesbians, our friends, and, and we went to this lesbian bar, and we were going to, like, do New Year's there. And me and my friend Nikki decided to buy suits at the Salvation Army for it. And I had never... It was my first suit. I was... It was a... A navy pinstripe three-piece suit it fit like a glove and I had never felt so happy I was like this is like I can't believe I can actually do this I was so happy that I called my mother to tell her how excited I was about it and she fucking lost it uh, so that was a rough one um, like we got into a big fight over the phone on New Year's Eve because um, I think her denial was crashing down as well, and um, I can't remember. Actually, hold on. There is okay. Let me back up for a minute. So, um, prior to that, prior to that New Year's at Thanksgiving, I started reading Stone Butch Blues, and um. I started, I was taking the train, the G train, to whatever fucking airport that takes you to. I think LaGuardia or something. It was, like, in the morning. And I have, I'm not a stranger to being called out in public at the time for, like, what I look like. Because I was living in between, well, not consciously, but whatever. So, this, like, drunk guy on the train, it was, like, 9 in the morning. So, uh, and he was, like, wasted. And he... It's very loud, and he's, like, boisterous and all over the place. And then he, like, looks at me. He's like, wait, I got to figure. Are you a man or a woman? I got to figure this out. And he comes and sits right next to me and, like, reeks. And, like, he, like, puts it, tries to put his hand on my leg. And I'm like, don't touch me. And he's like, okay. And he just, he, like, verbally is trying to figure me out. And so that's a train ride. And then um, I get to the airport. And I start reading Stone Butch Blues. And I... Like, that changed everything for me. Because it completely... Um, I completely identify with all of it. Um, and it completely explained... Like... My sex life. And it completely explained... Like what I could not possibly articulate. Uh, and I was so... 
my mother and I are like best friends. So like whenever I get excited about something, like and like I mean now I'm married, so it's like I don't go run and tell my mommy, you know, like every time. But like I still tell her every like a lot of the stuff. But like we used to talk all the time, and like um, or I mean more than we do now, and um, just because you know. I have a wife, and I tell her that stuff first. So, um, mostly. Um, anywho, uh, <laughs> I like brought my. I think, I, I think I just fell asleep in my brain. It's just like mouth moving, brain done. Let's just see where this goes. Yada yada yada. Okay, so I'm in the car. She picks me up from the airport. I'm in the car in Chicago, and I'm like, I'm start telling her about this book, like immediately. I can't stop. I just, I, I can't help myself. Like you. You don't even believe this book that I've been reading. It's amazing. It's so fucking good. I totally relate. And of course, this poor woman is like, huh, all right. And so I'm reading it in my room at night. And she comes in, say goodnight, whatever. And she looks at the cover. No, I show her the cover. I show her the book. And I, I show her the back cover, like, this is the person that wrote it. And she looks at the picture. Um, and... She asked me if this is how I identify. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like that. She's like, is this, she's like, is this what you want to look like? And not in like an accusatory way at all. Like, cur- just genuinely curious. Like asking me flat out, is this what you want to look like? And I was like, no, of course not. No, 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 no. But, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm explaining the whole book to her. And she's, you know, humoring me and everything like that. And she's always been like my champion. She's very supportive. Like I'm super fucking blessed. Um... But there's, you know, it's scary and it's not, it's, you know, weird, you know, for like a, like for a parent who's not used to this or exposed to it to like see something going on that you don't understand, you know, but you kind of knew it. Like you had to fight this, like she knew from day one, but like you had to fight this thing. And also like we didn't really have, it was different then. Like we just didn't, I mean, it's not that long ago, but like it was, things now are very different than they were before and we didn't have uh, the resources that we do now. And, um, so, uh, and it's just also like one more thing, like it's scary. I I can imagine how scary it is for a parent to like know that your child, who your child is, is also like makes them a target. Um, and like leads a potential, like a life of like uncertainty and danger. Um, that being said, we all live a life of uncertainty and danger, but it's just like quite blatant, you know, when you're different. Um, so, <clears throat> um, so I read that book, and then the New Year's thing thing happened. I was wearing the suit, whatever, and I started getting these panic attacks. <clears throat> I'd never had one before. I felt very sick. Um. And I, I just didn't know, I didn't know what was happening. And, um, sorry. Um, that, that went on for like a couple of months and I came home from that trip. Oh yeah. I was dating this, this butch woman in Portland because why date someone in your own city? Um, at the time, and I didn't know anything really about, I, trans was not on my radar, 
I just knew that like this whole thing felt right and I didn't know why I was having panic attacks. Um, and so I was talking to her on the phone. This was I think this was in February because I was in Lake Forest and I was on the phone with her. Everyone in the house was asleep. I was downstairs watching TV by myself. We're talking on the phone and we were talking about this and she's like, do you think you're trans? Or like started talking about it in a certain way and I was like, I, I don't remember what I said, but she's like, she's like, let me tell you, she wanted to tell me about a couple of friends she had in Portland. And she described these two people, they were trans guys, and everything she was saying to me, I was like, yes, like, that's me, that's me, that's me, like, yeah, like, I completely got it, and I completely identify with that, and I was so mad, I was so fucking pissed that, like, I'm like, really, like, this, like, I one more fucking thing that I have to, like, that has to be some sort of hurdle, like, this fucking thing, like, I was, first of all, I was like, I don't like men. Why would I want to be one? Um, and um, I was just angry. I would, but it, made, it completely made sense. And so she like told me how to get in touch with them. She's like, if you want, <clears throat> um, you know, they're on Live Journal. Live Journal plays a big part in my transition because it was a place where you could like go basically online and do your live journaling and um but there's like you know communities and so I joined these communities and that's how I met people um who were also queer and trans and so um so that she gave me their like live journal thing their, their email addresses actually and I wrote to both of them like these like long emails and I heard back from the person I actually heard back from is not the person I'm friends with today the other one I'm friends with the other one um and that person pointed me towards like a community in Live Journal, and it that night like just fucking changed my life. And like, so side note, like I have a thing with the constellation Orion, and um, like whatever. I did this project in sixth grade on the constellations and like glitter glue and like black poster board and it was all pretty and whatever. But so like. I don't remember all the constellations. Orion was like one that I could always find in the sky, aside from the dippers, you know, that I kind of knew where it was. And so like I made a thing, like after I did that project, I made a thing where every night before I go to bed, I'd look out my window and find Orion and I could go to sleep. It became like a little bit of a ritual for me. As my life started to unravel with like the drugs and all that crap, um, like I eventually like stopped looking for Orion. Like, that wasn't my thing anymore. Like, wasn't my priority. Like, I would, like, go outside in my pajamas if I couldn't find it out my window. Like, it just was, like, that important. Like, it was just, a, became, like, a like a habit or a twitch almost. Like, it was just, like, I had to do this thing. Um, and so as my life started to, like, fall apart a little bit in, you know, junior high age and whatever and into high school, like, I just stopped looking for Orion. And I hadn't seen Orion in a long time. And when I got sober really young. Um, I was three months sober and I was hanging out with my sober buddies and we were walking in some field because it's Illinois. And um, I looked up at the sky and there was Orion. And I had been able to find Orion ever since. 
And so, like, he's kind of, like, my, like, higher power. He's part of that equation of, like, the universe for me. And, um, and so I went out that, that night that I talked to my girlfriend at the time, and I was, like, really just, just, damn it, you know. Um, I went outside, and I looked up, and I saw Orion, but I had never seen Orion in, like, the full constellation, like, with the, with the bow, or is it the lion? I've seen different drawings, but like the entire thing. And like, I felt this like incredible hug. And um, like, I just felt like I could breathe and um, like it was gonna be okay. And that's when I went downstairs and I wrote the email, um, emails and like that, that kind of started this thing. Like I hooked up with people um, or connected with them on LiveJournal and someone was like, we meet at the boiler room on 2nd and B? No, I don't remember. Where is it? 7th and B or 7th and A or 2nd and frickin' I don't know what the fuck. Uh, that place is disgusting, but it was perfect. Like, we meet the, we meet the boiler room every Wednesday night, and you should come. And I did. And it that's what started... I wasn't, I didn't have a new name yet. I didn't, I didn't know how to identify yet. I wasn't doing anything yet. It was very new. Uh, I met someone there who identified as, you know, with male pronouns and a male name, but wasn't interested in physically transitioning. And that was something I could get behind because what the fuck does that mean? And that was scary. Like I wasn't ready because it was like day two and I didn't, I didn't want to hear about like, this is your path. Like this now you get to become a man physically, you know, like I didn't, I wasn't ready to hear that yet. And so that would have scared me away. So this person really fucking helped me um, with that. Like that person was super important to my development uh, because it, it allowed me to not be boxed into something and that was their that was their whole thing. They're like, why would I want to be boxed into a gender if I'm not, you know, if I don't relate to the one that I was born into? Like, why would I want to like become another one, kind of thing? So that made sense to me um, at the time. So we would play pool and like get hit on by all the dirty old gay men and you know whatever, and and also called out a lot. Like, just it was not a totally safe play. It was safe, but it wasn't like it wasn't totally safe. Um, ever no, it never got physical, but like, it was like outside, like smoking outside. Cause that's when, that's when the smoking ban happened, I think. And so clearly, unfortunately, cigarettes are a huge part of my life. Um, but it's also like part of this like culture of like being young and like, you know, don't tell me what to do. But we would go outside and smoke. Actually, no, you could smoke in there. It was fucking nasty as hell. But we were outside, um... Like we would stand guard at the bathrooms because you know bar bathrooms are really gross and also like don't always have locking doors, um, and like sometimes we would get like heckled a little bit, um, but we were a group, and that was actually a really good intro. Um, to what life was gonna be like for the next couple years, um but I didn't care because I was happy. And 
um, like I like was home again at some point and I decided to like tell my child one of my like, childhood friends and we were out for coffee and you know she was like cool that makes sense you know whatever of course and um, that's when I started like trying out a name for myself and it didn't stick like I had her call me it and I just didn't relate to it um, that was like a week I was Jack for a week and um, well, it didn't make any sense to me. And the first time that I, like, when I started, like, going by Evan, it, like, I would, it took me a little bit to get used to. Um, I went out with these trans friends. We went ice skating in Prospect Park, and there was a girl there that, so I introduced myself to this, there was a girl there that I introduced myself to because I didn't know her. I thought, I said, hi. Okay, so in my calendar, I, like, in my little planner or whatever, like, I wrote, like, down, like, for our plans, I said, like, I, I wrote it down as Evan at 7. Because at 7 o'clock, I was going to be Evan. Because the rest of the day, I was not. And so we go ice skating, and I say, I introduce myself, I say, hi, I'm, and then tell her my original name, my born name, I said, no, no, I mean Evan. And from telling her my born name, she recognized me from my first job in Illinois at Borders. We worked together, apparently. And she looked very different. She had lost a ton of weight. She cut her hair short and it was like fire engine red. I, mean, like, I couldn't pick her out of a lineup. I don't know. But like, she remembered me. And it was like, of course, a fucking course. You know these people. I just, like, accidentally came out to you, like, twice, just in one sentence kind of thing. And you know me. And it was, I mean, it was hilarious. She was going to NYU or something, as everyone does, apparently. And um, so that was just super fucking weird. But that's kind of, like, that was my life. Like, Evan at 7 was kind of, like, how that went for a little while. Um, and so, like, it was, it was, everything was gradual, but also very quick. Um, I turned a corner real quick. Um, uh, like, I started, you know, I started trying to do the male pronouns thing, and that was, I was very self-conscious about that, and it was felt kind of weird, because I felt like I was, like, embarrassed a little bit. Not with them, but with everyone else. And that was a hard transition for some people because I'm a dramatic person. So, like, some people thought I was just being dramatic again, you know. Um, and uh, I took a break from those people. We're best friends today, but I took a break from those people at the time because I needed to be taken seriously. And, um, but I also had, like, a... A large community at this point of queers and trans people and people that like I just that understood um, and so like I just even like aside from like that like I just I and I hung out with them most like that's the thing like I sort of like spent most of my time doing that and still in college I think it was like sophomore year of college or something and no 
No, it was junior year. Um, uh, lost my train of thought. What kind of art were you making at that time? Great transition. So, I that semester that I came out, I have never done so well in school in my life. Like I just threw myself into into art into my I mean I was in art school but like I threw myself into myself in a way that like it was therapy for me so I was doing ugh I hate talking about this because it sounds so fucking cliche but I was like doing like a lot of gender crap with my camera and um a lot of self portraits because I was gearing up for my senior thesis that was this I was just I was just working a lot. I was doing making a lot of art and then so I um my senior thesis was um like a timeline. It was called well, okay. So I later in the year I decided that I wanted to get surgery and um I had already lived for a year I think no that can't be true no I hadn't lived for a year yet as a male but it was October and I decided that I wanted to get surgery of course I told my mother and she like cried for like six months and like um we did like a bunch of fundraisers in the city like people weren't really doing that yet so like I feel like we paved the way for the fundraising we had like four fundraisers um events like books for boobies and uh what was it (laughs) there is this one main event at the center called take my breasts away take my breasts away and uh like there was like a play and there was like auctions and yada yada and people showed up that i didn't know and it was really moving it was amazing and like there was like a houseboy auction at the slipper room and uh my friend Corey crafted dance i don't think anyone cashed in on their winnings but we made a lot of money that night and that's what paid for my surgery um and um but the point is, is that like that started like in the fall, and I had the surgery the following March, and I was working on my thesis at the time because my thesis was going to be about reliving puberty again. And my thing is that I think it's because I'm hungry that I'm not like super funny today, and also because I'm like talking about this. But like, I'm a funny person, and I have found that it is crucial to keep a sense of humor during this. Otherwise, you may kill yourself like it just you have to find it funny like this has to be hilarious in some form and so of course like puberty is the worst time of anyone's life at least it was for me and I had to repeat it like coming out and uh I looked like a 12 year old boy and I acted like a 12 year old boy and uh then, of course, when I, like, physically transitioned, like, I felt like a 12-year-old boy. And um, my body was behaving that way also. And so um, I was I did this series called Reclaiming Puberty. And it was a um, 
like the first several shots were just like blown up um snapshots from my childhood from like toddler to like prom and then there's a couple shots in between and then like i redo the whole thing um as now and so i actually don't like those photographs anymore because i just don't like them but they were really good for where i was at at the point at the time and i wanted to end I wanted there to be a photograph of me in the bathtub, like as a little kid. And I timed the surgery that way so I could finish my thesis having had surgery so I could take the photograph. Um, so, I mean, obviously I would have done it anyway, um, but I kind of sped myself along and it was like, my friends were like definitely egging me on, you know, I was, this was not a solo mission. Um, but I did it, and I mean, it was super freeing. I was I've never been happier. Um, and my mother stopped crying uh, after I came out of surgery. You know, uh, that was sort of like okay, this is a thing. I mean, Jesus Christ, how fucking scary is it that your twenty-one-year-old child, your twenty-year-old kid, like the parents that like, like the kids, kids today. Um, when they're like coming out so young and they're like transitioning, like I cannot imagine, even as a trans person, like being that parent and like what is going through their head. Like I wouldn't, I don't know what I would do, even as someone who is trans and who is like all for like being yourself and doing what you have to do to survive and like be happy. Like, fuck, it is so scary. And especially when your kid is dramatic already and when your kid is like a teenager in their brain, you know, like you are making a life-altering decision forever. Well, they can always put them back, but like you, can, you are making very serious decisions, serious and expensive decisions, medical decisions, and like, holy shit, like, and you don't know what you are walking into. You don't know what you are unraveling um, and how you, like, you just don't know anything. And, um, I just can't imagine what was going through her head, but I think that a lot of it was relief because she knew already. Um, and it was really important to me, like, you know, as a Jewish boy, I seek my mother's approval quite a bit. And like, it was really important to me for like us to be okay. My dad and I were not okay. We're okay today. It took a very long time. Um, he definitely treated me like the son he never had. And then once I became that, it was not okay. Um, so that was confusing. Um, but actually my sister really stood up for me in that way. And she's like, I used to treat her like crap, but she's always been my champion. And, um, you know, we're, we're, again, we're okay now. But, um, you know, she said like, you know, there was a time when he wanted to take all of him away from us. Like now he's only taking a part away, you know, and that <clears throat> shut him up. So that was pretty amazing. Um, so I did the surgery. I knew I wasn't going to talk about that, but that's what I did, whatever. And uh, I came out of there. I did my, my, I finished my show. I ended up getting a solo show from that thesis at a gallery. Um, like I sent out the postcards I tell you to send out. And I sent the post, the picture I sent out had a, 
fucking like I like had a cock on, you know, like I had dildo on and like was topless and it it's much prettier than what it sounds like, right? Like better than what it sounds like. I just I don't like here's the thing. I did not want to have I didn't want to do another series, no offense to anybody whatsoever. I didn't want to do another series where it's like dramatic and like painful and like like melodramatic. Like like look at me like giving myself like a a shot of hormone, whatever. Like I couldn't do that because it's already been done and it it's not what I was feeling and I just I don't like it. Like I don't want to be like another like painful, sad voice in this experience. Like I have to like survival is like survival's hilarious. So like it has to be something else. And so um we um damn I'm a yapper. Um so I did it that way. So I sent out the postcards and they gave me a show and I got a New York Times review and like it was awesome and I hadn't graduated college yet, you know, so like that's kind of the th- <laughs> that was a blessing and a curse because I was like, oh, this is how it's gonna be. <laughs> Fantastic. I'll just ride that wave for a little too long. Um, I definitely one of my only regrets in life is um, not finishing a, another series on identity as well, but not gender wise and because um, it was also timed perfectly because this also happened to coincide when these things started to come out a little bit in the art world. And so it was perfectly timed by accident and my other series would have also been perfectly timed by accident and I just didn't finish it and I feel like you know maybe that could have done something but whatever I digress um so from that and I so I was out like that was a thing like I got a lot of press and so like it was public now um and so that started to sort of define me a little bit and not that I was like being recognized in the street or anything like that but like my body was out there and um my identity was out there and pictures that I don't want to look at ever again were out there, you know? And so, uh, but it was fine. It was so fucking exciting. Um, and from that show, I got like a couple years later, like one of my professors from Pratt who wasn't even actually my professor there, but she was a, a teacher's photo and, she was friends with this like curator in Italy and um, he was doing a show on, uh, it was called Otra Familia, it was other families, and just like identity and like all this stuff and she recommended my work to him and so I met him um, at Leslie Lohman's apartment um, and which was like wall to wall, incredible fucking Robert Maplethorpe photographs and like all this shit. It was amazing. And I showed him my work. His name is Peter Viermar. And he loved it. And he put me in, he put the whole series in this group show in Torino, Italy at the Palazzo Cavour. And I was, my show was in the room next door to Nan Golden's show. And I was like, fuck me. Like this was like, what the fuck? Like, on the same banner as her and everything. And she's definitely, like, a huge, you know, inspiration, obviously. And, um, so that was incredible. Um, and so, and that got press. And so this stuff started to take a life of its own a little bit. 
Um, but to be perfectly like, this is all just about being honest. Like my work started to become more honest and like that became, that became the thing that I had to stick to. Like the, the thing that makes, cause everything's been done. And like at this point, gender and identity is, um, all over the place, which is wonderful but also very challenging because like, it's really hard to like have your voice heard. Um, it was, it's hard to have your voice heard when you're not, no one's talking about it because no one wants to hear it or needs to hear it or whatever. But it's also very hard to have your voice heard when it's like drowned out by all the other voices. Um, so that's just me being selfish and like wanting to like be noticed with for my art, like fucking everyone else does. Um, so, uh, and I hadn't yet come across to the point where I was like, oh man, that person already did that. Like that wasn't a thing yet. Um, at least to my knowledge. So I know that I have to do things differently and take a different approach. And for me, that meant like a certain level of like honesty and reflection and, um, you know, that I'm sure other people bring to their work also. It's just like all everyone's work is different. Like just because like one person's work might seem cliche to another person, but it's that person's truth, you know? So like, that's beautiful. Um, and my work probably seems cliche to other people, you know, but this is my truth. So it was just about living in my truth and really just finding out like, and just, but everything is very exposing. Um, and so I took a break from me for the first time in my life and never again um and decided to oh yeah so that's you know i have to take a break actually <laughs> oh yeah stay tuned Boop. and we're back so um so the project that um i didn't finish that i regret not finishing um it was about vices um, and it was about, I was, rec I was trying to recreate, um, sorry, the cat is smelling your bag. I apologize. He's going to explore. Um, he's fine. Um, so I was recreating, um, you know, like Renaissance masterpiece paintings, um, with people like immersed in their vices. And at the time there was, there happened to be like, like a little bit, like around the time where I could have finished it, there was this explosion of, of recreations of masterpiece paintings in the galleries. So I, it still hurts. Um, but also that goes to show how um, fickle the art market is because it's like, I don't want to, I'm not creating things because of like themes or whatever. It's, you know, it's like whatever people are looking at at the time, like that's what's dictating who's being seen, you know? So it's whatever. Um, but that's also helped me a lot too. So it is what it is. Anyway, um, so I put, this is ridiculous, but I, I put out a Craigslist posting for some, for a subject, for, you know, for people to be in this project, like a crazy person because... Craigslist um, is 
horrific. Um, and so when it comes to like looking for people, um, even like for anything, like, you know, there's so many creeps, but this woman reached out to me, um, I don't know, I don't remember if she was trans. I think she was. But she was, or I don't remember how she identified specifically, but she identified herself as a woman. She's a trans, I guess a trans woman, she's a crossdresser. And she, I was gonna do, was it like being a, uh, like, uh, I don't want to name the painting because I think I might get it wrong and it'd be embarrassing because I went to art school. Um, but I was um, gonna recreate this painting uh, with her. So I met I met up with her and she had me. We met at this bar. <laughs> Katie, good job, buddy. Um, we met at this bar in Midtown. And then she took me to this garden apartment. I think it was 40th or 41st. And on the west side and where her stuff was or where we could, oh, cause she was taking me to a place where we could maybe take the picture. And the door opens and it is a, an apartment full of crossdressers. And I was like, fuck yes, like jackpot. Um, <laughs> it was it was one of those like New York moments that you see in the movies. And I was like, what the fuck is this? This is phenomenal. Um, this woman named... Um, well, I think she's going... She was going by Madeline at the Marilyn, Marilyn at the time. Is it Madeline? I think she's Cleo now. Anywho, she opens the door. Everyone there is sweet as pie, middle-aged to older people. Um, not a party scene, just hanging, just hanging out, cross-dressing. And I, I went there. I didn't have a camera with me. I went there. We hung out for a while. And I never ended up photographing her. Um, but I went back to the apartment because I asked if I could come back with my camera. And I told them I was trans and, you know, much of some like creep, like whatever. And they were like kind of like fawning on me, like, because I'm like young and a guy, and they were all like, you know, but um, super. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere that's like super filthy, you know, but like adorable, just amazing, amazing people. So I went back, and this was they 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 met on Wednesday nights again. I don't know what it's about Wednesday, but another Wednesday night situation. Every Wednesday night after dinner, I would go there and photograph them and hang out, and. We would go, there was a bar down the street that we would go to for them to play pool and hang out and you can throw your peanut shells on the ground, which is fun. And the fucking courage these people have um, just it, like blew my mind because 
it's really, really hard to pass uh, male to female. And it was definitely a window into my privilege. I do pass. Like, people don't know. And I... Um, which is all I ever wanted. Um, oh, sorry. Backtrack again. Side note that after the surgery, I was like, I'm never, I'm never going to take hormones. I had the surgery. I did not have a man's chest. I just was minus some boobs. So um, that didn't sit well with me so much. So I went on them like for like, you know, just like six months, whatever. So like, it's been like 13 years, you know? Um, so I started to work out for me and then like that. And then I finished for the show that I had at the gallery, Schroeder Romero gallery, um, in Williamsburg at the time, uh, the show continued into like male, like prom. It finished with prom. Um, so, um, so I was physically transitioned at this point. And so, and these these people are not trans. A couple, maybe one of them, I think, a couple of them were. Um, but gay, straight, married, not married, just ladies on the town. And so we would walk to this bar and it's like, I mean, the west side of Midtown is not the way it used to be, but it's not great and we would just it was nighttime we're walking down the street they're like in their fur and heels and shit and like you know so confident and I was I was afraid because also like I am in the group now you know and I'm not afraid for myself I just became very conscious of other people and I became very conscious again for the first time in a while which is my privilege of being looked at um, in a way of confusion and disgust and um, like just, you know, whatever. But not from everybody. Um, but it didn't matter. I noticed everything. And we go to this bar and play pool and I was just with them and I had my camera and I didn't want it to be like a whole like we're not like shooting anything, you know, whatever. So I try to be as inconspicuous as possible. One night we walk into this bar and I see a girl from my high school. Like, and I'm Evan and we're not in touch. We weren't really friends. Some rando bar on the west side of Midtown. I see a girl from my fucking high school in Lake Forest, Illinois. And she looks at me and then she looks at them she looks at them, and then she looks at me, and she's like, like, I know you guys can't see my face, but she was sort of like, um, trying to have a moment with me of, like, ugh. Um, or, like, and, ugh, and, like, like, what? Um, and I, that's when I, like, noticed who she was, and I was like, Oh my God. And like, I, it was almost a, but it was a kind of a triumph moment for me also. I was sad for them. And I don't think that they, they, I'm just projecting like they could care less, but like, 
well, I don't know, but they didn't notice. But I was like, if you fucking knew who I was, and that's like, those are the kinds of moments that I've had for my forever since I transitioned. Like, since, since I've started passing, like, I have been privy to disgusting conversations with guys, like, moments of, like, moments that I used to have, seeing that happen with other people. And, like, if you fucking knew who I was, this would be a completely different moment for you. Um, and just sort of, like, being that, like, fly-on-the-wall situation, you know? Um, because then there's, like, that conundrum of, like, having to protect myself. And that was... That is... That sort of segues into, like, the other thing that I really want to talk about that I will in a minute. But... Um, so I would, I was photographing them a lot and I wasn't photographing them getting dressed. I wasn't photographing them putting their makeup on. I wasn't photographing them like putting their wigs on, you know, whatever. Like I was just photographing them being in this apartment and like being like just existing as themselves. And like, yes, there is, there is tons of irony in the photographs. And there is one picture where this, one of the women, Brittany is like pulling up her, like, um, her stockings and, but it's awesome and she's got these like bulging biceps and I'm like yeah haha but it's not a haha moment it's just like it's very it's authentic and like <clears throat> portraits and like yes I do play with with what they have but I also don't like these are like these are just like classy old New York ladies you know and like they're beautiful people they're fucking beautiful and sometimes someone would come in and like one of them had this woman, Amy, has a wife who is incredibly supportive and they, like, shop together, they share makeup, like, you know, whatever. It's incredible. Um, and so her wife came in and, like, did, like, a makeup lesson with them. And um, so that would happen every now and then and they'd have, like, a like annual, like, Halloween dance or dinner. We'd go out to a restaurant or, like, they have, like, little events and it was just, like... It was such a treat. Um, my other regret is I sort of fell out. Like, I did my series, and I kept shooting them a little bit, but then, like, over the years, I've sort of fallen off, you know? And for my birthday, they gave me a camera bag because they I always bring my camera in, like, something else or, like, not, you know? Because I didn't want to schlep. I just had, like, my camera and my flash. And it was just, like, it was, I, it was so sweet. Um, and... I, the series became a show, um, and, uh, at several places and they would come and I made a book, I like to self-publish it, whatever. And like, I gave them one and, and they were really, okay. They were really, um, the, the important, the most important thing for me was to represent them properly. Um, because there's nothing like being um, like again the word escapes me but I think someone knows what I'm talking about um, so yeah and they, they loved it they loved the photographs um, of course they're very critical of the, their own portraits and whatnot. but um, like there's a Polaroid over there 
with Billy May. Um, this this one over there, these are framed terribly. Unfortunately, they're wobbly. But and then Ashley next to the bigger one there, and um, they're just like people. And so. Um, the show is called, the series is pretentiously called Women at Home, which is great when you're reading it, but it's like uh, women at home and then like women and men. Because they don't necessarily identify as men or women all the time, you know. Um, it was like hanging out with like 30 Jewish grandmas. It was great. Um, because they would just dote on you and they're like very, and they're not grandmas, they're not that old, but like, you know, um, but they're sweet as pie. And, um, I actually ran into one of them who did transition. Um, I hadn't seen her in many years and I ran into her at Bryn's Memorial. Um, and I cannot find her contact information for the life of me, which is very sad, but... Um, so I did that and that, like, I was in a group show at Frederica Taylor Gallery, which was really fucking amazing. And like, um, in a group show at Bonnie Van Ruby Gallery and, um, like in a bunch of group shows, like when Leslie Lohman and, um, had a solo show at a gallery in Brooklyn at the time that was Pep and that's where the one they came to and. I love those photographs. Um, but the thing that I, <clears throat> the thing that became, like I kind of took a break for a while from making art. Um, and after that, and uh, I recently did a series. I recently had a show at Postmasters Gallery in October. Um, that also got press. It was written, there was an article on trans art in The Guardian, um, like, I guess last year or whatever it was, and it was in there, and, um, which was cool. Um, but the point is of that show is what I was talking about is I, so I, as I told you when you got here, is that I've been having, I was under the radar for about 10 years, and, it started to really grate on me. It's all I ever wanted, is what I thought, was to just, you know, I transitioned, I blend in, now I can focus on the rest of my life. And the issue that I got to with that was that um, I don't know how to relate to other men a lot because there are, I constantly feel like I'm putting on a show, even if I'm not saying anything, like I constantly feel like I'm a fraud. Um, and that's my own brain. That's not anyone else telling me anything. Whether they know or not. It's like, it doesn't, no one cares, you know? And so, you know, having relationships with guys that are not trans, that are just being themselves, like, there's a lot that I don't relate to. And there's a bond that they may have that I don't feel like I have with them. Um... That doesn't always have to do with me being trans. That sometimes has to do with the relationship or how I perceive a relationship. You know, that's another thing. My perception is quite skewed in a lot of ways sometimes. And so 
Um, cause I'm very self-conscious about these things. Like that self-consciousness did not go away. I think about everything still. Like I, whenever I go to the bathroom, like I think about it, you know, um, I think about the way my feet are pointing in the stall. I think about like, can they hear the toilet paper? Can, you know, I think about, um, you know, the fact that I can't talk about like, like, I, <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous, but like at work, like I can't complain about the bathroom situation at work because there's only so many stalls and they're always taken. So like, I got to hold it. And I can't, like, say that because they'll be like, why don't you just go to a urinal? Like, why are you going to a stall? Like, all that shit. Um, and, um, you know, I can't, I have to play along when I, like, I'm saying, like, you know, my wife and I are trying to get pregnant. You know, like, I can't talk about how expensive it is and how, like, it's fucking devastating that we can't do it the way I want to do it. And that, like, we, you know... Um, that, you know, I don't care that other people have to do it, you know, that, like, heterosexual couples also have to do it this way sometimes, you know, or a lot of people do or whatever. Like, I don't care. Like, it's just, it fucking sucks. And so that's where I'm at right now. And so, like, that resentment towards men has come back and in the, because of, like, trying to get pregnant. And um, that... um like this depression and feeling not a part of had kind of came back because um, I felt like I was, I still couldn't get there. Like I was still identifying as male for so long and it became very evident to me that I'm trans. Um, and in a, like the way that I defined it in my head was that like, not quite, like in the middle, like, um, and where I used to see it as a, as a huge gift, like of being able to have this superiorly unique perspective and experience in life where I was afforded the opportunity to live in two completely different ways is incredible. Like who gets, like we, we, there's not many of us that get to do that. Um, there's a lot of trans people who never get to do that. And, um, because they can't transition, you know, and like, or they don't make it, you know? And like, so I was, like, it's a, it's a fucking gift and it has defined who I am and who, uh, what I bring to the table and what I bring to like in every circumstance. And it defines like my level of empathy and, um, you know, honesty and, um, like the character traits that I forget about a lot for myself that are really positive. Like this is like, it, it just, it's, it's a, it can be a gift, but so often it is such a fucking burden. Um, because we don't live in a society that allows for it. And I don't live in, my brain is not a society that allows for it a lot of the time because I want so badly to not have to think about it. And I want so badly to fit in and I want so badly to connect and I will allow myself to forget, to miss the connection that I already have because I'm worried about the connections that I, uh, over things that I don't have. Um, and that's my personality, but it's, I think it's, but it's a common experience um, from what I've heard, um, at least from people I've spoken to. Um, so that started to really fuck with me. And I felt like I didn't know, like, I would say things and it, like, 
I felt like I wasn't allowed to say, like, if I would get called out on something, but, like, but that guy said it. Like, why, you know, like, why is your relationship different than my relationship with you? Like, I and, like, everyone's relationships are different, but I was taking it so personally in the way that, in, in, a, in this way, um, instead of seeing it for what it really is, that I give a different, rela- I, I give a different male relationship to all the guys that I'm, that are in my life, whether they know it or not. Um, because if we get past small talk, like who I am allows them to be someone that they may not be able to be with other guys. Um, but then I start seeing it as like, well, good for fucking you. Like, where's mine? You know, um, I'm so glad that you can feel better, but like, I'm like, it becomes like part of the whole, like, I don't want to be a teacher anymore. I don't want to educate my doctors and I don't want to educate um, anyone in my life anymore about like what's proper to say or what's, you know, what the, what the reality is or like how this is harder or how this is like different or whatever it is. Like, I don't fuck it. I'm tired, you know? And so like that started to come out, like there was a trickle and then it was a deluge. And um, a couple of years ago, like I come from a, I come from a suicidal background um, which is why my sister said what she did to my father about like how I wanted to take the whole thing. And so, um, and that is not necessarily that, like that part of my life is not fully linked to being trans. It's my, my brain chemistry and some other things, you know, it's just like the cards I've been dealt with. Uh, like, I'm not just one kind of person kind of, you know, but like, um, I'm sorry, is that okay that he's laying on your bag? Yeah. Okay. He likes bags. He likes accessories. He lays on my shoes every day, all day. Um, one time he put his arm through the strap of a purse and just sat there like he was going out. Anywho. Uh, <laughs> just, yes, just everyone's aware. Uh, that was a cat situation. That was about a cat. Um, so, anywho, I was just fucking pooped. And I, so a couple years ago, um, I hit, like, a breaking point, And I kind I don't know if it was, like, a nervous breakdown or anything, but it was, maybe it was worse. I don't know. But I have never been so suicidal in my whole life. And I cried for a month. Um, I cried all day. I cried every day. And I couldn't stop crying, and I didn't know why. And um, I was so angry and depressed, and I was I. It was one of those times where I really didn't know if I was going to kill myself or not. Like most of the time that I felt suicidal, I recognized the feelings, and because of the life that I have today, I know it's going to pass. And this wasn't passing. It was getting worse. And I really wasn't sure what to do. And I didn't want to tell my wife about it because I don't want to freak her out. She does not come from this background. She does not have experience with this. I didn't want to worry her. So I was, you know, I have a therapist, whatever. I wasn't, you know, and she was like, I, I, I still felt like I was suffering in silence. I just didn't know how to fix this. And... um so I finally told my wife and 
I had never slept better. I hadn't slept all year long. I had like good two, I got two good nights of sleep that year. And that was one of them. Unfortunately, she did not sleep that night. Um, but we um, didn't really know what to do. And we were driving home from something. And she said to me, when's the last time you took your shot? And I said, I don't know, like a couple months ago, a few months ago. Like at this point, like I wasn't really being checked out. I have a doc, I had a doctor. We do like our, like whatever, like my levels hadn't been tested in a while. Um, there were, remember that thing I told you I wasn't going to talk about specifically? So I had a hysterectomy. Uh, <laughs> just like this is what happens when I start talking it just like all fucking comes out I like have a plan and then I just diverge um, some years ago and that changes your chemistry quite a bit and the unfortunate part one of the unfortunate parts of this is that science hasn't quite caught up to us yet so like there's really no research like we don't know like we're just like the people who have transitioned at least a decade ago, or fucking pioneers, because there's no data for trans men on what happens to your body long term, and what we need. Um, so, you're welcome. Um, so, I was essentially like being allowed to like monitor it, like just like take it, like no one was. I'm an adult. I should do this. It wasn't exciting for me to do to take my shot anymore like it was in the beginning. Like, I'm not counting the hairs on my body anymore. Like, I'm done. So, like, it just became surprisingly psychologically difficult for me to do it. And I just, like, would put it off. Like, I'm still putting it off. I'm not as much as I was before at all. But, like, you know, like, I'm a couple days late. But, um... <clears throat> and so... I mean, this... Like, having said that, like, I want to point out that it is a fucking privilege to, like, have that choice because I do, like, living in New York City and, like, having access to, um, like, medical care and some amounts of income, like, I am allowed to purchase hormones and have them monitored by a doctor. I have never had to buy them on the black market, which so many people do, and it's really fucking dangerous, but I completely understand. Um, and... Like, so, like, I had the, if you can call it privilege, of, like, being like, meh, I'm going to take it right now. Um, so, um, I wasn't taking it, and I was basically producing, like, very little hormones in my body. Like, and apparently, like, they're pretty powerful things. Um, science is real, so... Uh, she asked me that question, and of course I was like, she's like, maybe, she's like, you know, my friend, who was like in her 40s, was taking hormones to get pregnant, and she's like, you know, you're acting a little bit like she was acting when she was on them. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like, I don't know, it's, it's totally different. Blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, hmm. So I got home, and I took my shot. And the next day, I was, like, walking on sunshine. It was, like, polar opposite land. I was like, fuck. So I called my doctor, and I, like, told her what was going on. And, like, I just, I, I don't go to that place anymore. 
I was because I found out that they hadn't monitored my levels in a, like a year, like they do every year. Like they they did it like they hadn't done it in a while, and I was like, "What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, fuck! Like every time I'm doing my blood work there, and like you're not even telling me like, like I like am I taking the right amount? Like what the fuck? You know? Like and she had said like you know, we'll cut the dose in half, but like based on what? Like based like you're a doctor. I'm paying you to like be an expert here, and like. I, could, I, I heard the whole, like, well, we don't really know, you know, and I was like, so like, I like bitched her out over the phone, and I looked for a new doctor. Yes, I am responsible for myself and my body. Yes, I am responsible to take my shot. She did not know that I hadn't taken it in a while, but like, I guess had I known that this was going to happen, I probably would have done that, so... A friend of mine described this perfectly. He said, were you too depressed to kill yourself? Like, you were so depressed that you were too lazy to kill yourself. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. And so I started talking about it. And I, that's when he told me that. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm not alone. And, like, the night that I told, it was a Sunday night, that I told my wife that I was feeling this way before I took my shot, I, this was in October, uh, a couple years ago, and I, a friend reached out to, a trans friend reached out to me. He had invited me to this group on Facebook that was, like, all trans guys. And I looked at it, and it was all these fucking people from LiveJournal 10-plus years ago, who I had, most of them who I haven't spoken to in a really long time, who were going through the same thing. And, um, like, I, like, it was, like, the universe again, like, giving me that, like, big Orion hug. And, um, it saved my fucking life because I talked about it and people came out of the woodwork and were saying, I, me too. And, like, some of it, there was, some of it wasn't solution-based. It was just, like, commiserating. But just knowing that I wasn't alone and it wasn't just, scientifically but like emotionally and psychologically like like do you feel like a fraud yes like are you suicidal yes like nobody told me that this was going to happen like that and that's like like and i quote like nobody told us that when you transition things aren't fixed and um I wouldn't choose a different path for myself. I wouldn't not transition knowing this, but nobody told us. Um, so that fucking saved my life again. And um, so I, you know, I started looking for a new doctor and I started like planning my next show. Um, my next series, and that which I had been thinking about a little bit before. I thought I started. I realized at my sister's wedding. I think a couple years before that, that, um. I was one of the groomsmen. And we uh, we were all in tuxes, and I was watching my brother-in-law interact with his college buddies, and he's not like a bro or anything, but like, they're guys and. We were on the roof of this building and watching them interact with each other. And they're like just watching their body language and watching like, and like sort of imagining what their lives might be like. And um, 
this like whole also back to the drinking culture like just watching this these like guys like interact with each other and I was just like fascinated by it um like in a way that like I just hadn't been in a while or like I didn't expect it I just I, none of this I expected I expected nothing because I expected to just have this be like wrapped up done um so I have been think I had thought about that for a while and I wanted to do something around that but I wasn't sure what yet and so I was planning and planning and planning and going back and forth about like how to like put this out there and based on that experience leading up to the like my like month of crying um I started um and based on like the conversations I was having with these guys these trans guys and and um looking at um trolling Facebook for people from my high school and looking at their lives right now like the guys and just sort of like sort of shaping in which I do I don't do that so much anymore because that's just like just get to this freaking like weird spiral but like looking at their lives and looking at the pictures of them and like obviously it's social media so take with it with a grain of salt but like all the points of fantasy are there of like masculinity and like body language and facial expressions and you can hear them and it's just like it's this crazy thing so like i started making this series called best man and um about um, platonic male relationships and doing uh, like some stereotypical things, you know, but like not like in a campy way. Um, so I started reaching out to people. I decided to do them with people that I know already. I was going to do them with some strangers, but then I realized that I don't want to do that because that would be really manufactured, you know? And of course, like the way these things work is that you plan you plan an idea for a shoot and then you get this image that is nothing like the, what you were picturing doing. Like the event is over and then the photograph in between is what is like the beautiful part, you know? And so like that happened a lot. And, um, I mean, not with all of them, but like that happened a lot. And so I started taking these pictures and what started to happen is I, I started to have those moments with these people. Like that's when I found out that I'm giving these people these moments also because not everyone grew up that way not everyone grew up doing these things that i thought they grew up doing um not everyone has these moments with other people or at all you know like i was giving them that and i was also getting we were gonna having that t moment together the first shoot i did was with a friend from college who i hadn't seen in many years but he was always very supportive of me and um so i felt comfortable with him and he didn't grow up like having these like bro relationships at all like he's kind of like on his own too and so like he told me that like you know this is my first time doing this he was like i got to do this too you know like it was it was like he had like it was important to him um and I hadn't, I hadn't even considered that as like a thing like that. I was, I, I was just thinking about as like me finally having these experiences of like bumming around the railroad tracks and like this, like this, like silence that happens, like the, the way that male relationships grow happens very slowly over time. Whereas like women, like just like, 
and like like oh we're taking a pottery class now you know like it just like men take a long time because there's less words and like there's less um intimacy at first like that takes a while to forge and of course like coming not coming from that place biologically and psychologically like i'm not a i'm psychologically i'm not a full man you know like i'm not fully male so that's where that disconnect was coming from with me i was like why aren't these people telling me all their intimate details right away like because these are guys and like they might not ever tell you you know um like that shit's real so um so i would talk to people about like what the relationships were like growing up with other guys and I was like and their brothers and like what they would do and like I would and and just watching my friends like interact you know and like like the one of the most beautiful things about this whole project was that I finally realized that I already had what I was looking for like with the guys in my life um it just didn't look like what I thought it would and um it didn't involve a childhood with them. It didn't involve a growing up with them. And so um, the only thing that separates me from actually having those experiences with them is my brain and the fact that I feel like a fraud. Um, I don't let myself have those experiences with them without reminding myself who I am. And, um, and so I did this series and I knew it was going to be a show. I just was like, this has to, this is going to happen. It has to. And so I reached out to a couple um, who came to my first show and had blogged about it, and I've never met them before. And I said, hello, remember me? Um, I have this new thing. Can I show you? And they said, absolutely. So I went over to their apartment, and I showed them all the images, and we were, I was there for a couple hours, and they really liked it and they reached out to some people they knew with my work they like sent me a pdf of your stuff and they like blasted it for me and the gallery came over to my apartment and looked at my work and put it on their walls and um and so um that's where we're at now like so now we're trying to like get them into institutions and stuff um but like the moral of the story is that like like it's like the the biggest saving grace for me has been through my work through my art and also like my community that like I had trouble associating with for a long time because I didn't want to be outed because the problem is is that I realized that like so the, what I was saying before um, was that um, with the crossdressers was that like I was like in a selfish way and also like a protective way like I didn't want to be outed because I want control over who knows and when but after I had my my crisis I realized especially with everything that's going on right now and these days and and also like this like big trans movement that's like coming to, to light and all that stuff. Like I knew that like I couldn't look back and like tell my children like I did nothing. Like I wasn't a part of that, you know. Um, so I started I've started to become more a little bit more liberal over time about like who I tell and like or 
just saying it and like being out and like you know like not hiding it as much um and trying to bring like pride to that because there's absolutely nothing to be ashamed of and it's really fucking important for people to see trans people living productive beautiful lives um because that's not what most people are shown and um you know like it doesn't look different from anything else you know um it's a very different experience and the 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 shame is that if you don't get to know us like you don't get that perspective either you know and so um i just knew that i couldn't do that so i've like the challenge was uh you know like what do you do like like almost like I sort of phrase it as like um like divided we stand together we fall because i um by not being a part of it the numbers are smaller and like the life experiences are smaller um and i just knew that i couldn't be separate from my people anymore um but it's hard. It's hard because once you're in it, even like being associated or like being like yeah, like a, a, a rally, like there's plenty of non-trans people at trans rallies, but just the fact that you're there is a possibility, you know? And so that became like a huge fucking conundrum for me. Um, and I'm still working on that, but, um, you know, that's, I'm sure another lifelong journey, but, um, Um, one of the pictures was a skinny dipping picture and that was like my like it was huge and um it's so, like size or it's size <laughs> how kind of you to specify um just checking battery levels okay don't worry I promise to wear the battery out for you for your next one um no it was a I, I printed it I had to print it big because the point was that like there was three of us jumping off this pier fully nude and I was like in between these two other guys um who are different than I and um like fucking full frontal and that was a picture that I knew I had to take. It was like one of the first ones that I thought of and it took me a long time to shoot it because I was just like, had to psych myself up. Also like not a water person, kind of afraid of water, a lake at night, naked. That sounds awesome. That sounds great. Let's jump in the water a billion times to try to get the right shot by yourself. Like that's fucked up. It was terrible. Um, totally unenjoyable and of course we used the first photograph so that didn't have to happen <laughs> the things I do for art um, but it was incredible it was a beautiful weekend um, and um, it's a fucking awesome photo and it was huge it was on the wall um, 
and it was obviously like exposing because I'm naked and um my family came to the show like they knew what it was like I had to like my mom like wanted me to like yeah you know, uh, like ease my grandma into it into the idea of this whole thing and my grandma was like all right my mom was like <laughs> you know but everyone was like it was beautiful like they were proud it was great like you know like a bunch of family members came actually and like a bunch of friends came from all walks of my life like people I had just met in a school program i just went to people from college um people from recovery like like all different kinds of people came tons of people i didn't know came um it was a truly beautiful because i'm like i'm very very proud of these photos and i was so proud to be able to do that with the people that are actually in my life to have these moments because it reminded me that like i'm not a piece of shit the relationships that i have actually are what i wanted and like we show up for each other you know it's a two-way street and um you know it was just really like it felt so good to be part of this again to be part of like to have like a different voice because i knew that like again like male relationships are um complicated because they're too simple and um on the outside and um and it's you know it was something that like in creating those moments for myself and for the people in the photographs with me it just it it just made my life so much more broad just because it made me realize that i already have that and that i don't have to like create it you know um i can just like be and it's there so um i think that's a good place to stop <laughs>